Bill Ackman is a longtime Wall Street investor with a reputation for making multi-billion dollar bets. Bill Ackman, talking a big game. Bill Ackman can't get out of the way of Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman's next big call. He's one of the best known investors on Wall Street. He's a public persona. He's out there. He's always sharing his ideas. And he's had a bunch of big wins and a bunch of big failures. That's our colleague, Cara Lombardo. She's been following Ackman. His story on Wall Street is one of the most dramatic. But the reason people love watching him is he always gets back up and takes another big shot. So when Bill Ackman launched this SPAC last year, his plans were closely watched. A SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. These are publicly traded shell companies whose sole purpose is to merge with another business. Over the past two years, SPACs have been on a tear. And Bill Ackman's SPAC is no ordinary one. It was the biggest ever. He raised $4 billion. Everybody on Wall Street was just in awe of the size of this thing. It could change the SPAC game entirely. And it's been Wall Street's biggest guessing game to try to figure out what is he going to buy. More than a year later, Ackman still hasn't bought anything. And now his SPAC's future is in jeopardy. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, August 31st. Coming up on the show, how Bill Ackman's SPAC, the biggest ever, could be nearing its end. If only life had a remote control, you could pause or rewind. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. Take the one-minute risk test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Bill Ackman has made a career as an activist investor. He takes big stakes in companies and tells management what to do. He's very self-assured. He's always excited. He has a new big idea. He's ready to go. He always is thinking big and confident in his abilities to get back up. But a couple years ago, Ackman withdrew from the spotlight. He had just kind of gone behind the scenes for a few years. He laid low. He didn't make much noise, which was very uncharacteristic for him. He was nursing his big losses on bets like Herbalife. He famously got into a spat on national television with Carl Icahn. He's got one of the worst reputations on Wall Street. And I'm going to tell you this Herbalife is a classic example of what he does. Can I just say a couple things and we'll yeah. move on? All right, the yeah. last thing, just to clear the record. Ackman was betting against Herbalife shares icon on them, and Ackman did lose that bet. But then he had a few wins, including a big trade at the beginning of the pandemic, and then he decided to try his hand at something new, a SPAC, which he saw as potentially a game changer that was going to kind of reinvent the way he made investments going forward. SPACs exist for one sole purpose, to buy a promising company and merge. Basically, they're shell companies. They raise money, they list on an exchange, and then they provide a shortcut to a company to go public. So basically, I'm here, I'm publicly traded, I'm already on the exchange, all you have to do is merge with me, you get some cash that I have waiting for you, and we go on from here. SPACs are an alternative to the more traditional way of going public, 
an initial public offering or an IPO. IPOs face a lot of scrutiny from regulators. SPACs, not so much. Typically, what kinds of companies go public through a SPAC? Oftentimes, they're companies that haven't fully proven themselves, and that's why the idea of a shortcut to the public markets is attractive. They're companies that maybe wouldn't do so well if they had to endure the full scrutiny of a public listing. Over the last year, SPACs have really taken off. It's interesting. They've existed for years. But in 2019, 2020, suddenly a few well-known investors started really using them again. And that just fed off of itself. And this new craze was not new to Ackman. Almost 10 years ago in 2012, he was involved with a SPAC that helped take Burger King public, of all things. So he had some experience in this arena, and I think he was ready to supercharge it and take it to the next level by really going after something big. And last summer, Ackman launched a new SPAC, naming it after his investment firm, Pershing Square. It's Bill Ackman, so it wasn't the way everybody does it. He went bigger, of course, with billions of dollars as opposed to just a few hundred million. So we created the most investor-friendly SPAC in the world, and we had an enormous reception that gave us the ability to do very large scale. And then he added in some flourishes that were supposed to be more investor-friendly. And what's new in our structure is it's the first SPAC where we're taking no compensation. There are no management fees, incentive fees, promotes. We're not buying cheap stock. He said, I'm going to make sure I have skin in the game through new terms. And he really tried to remake the SPAC in his own eyes. And investors bought into it. Absolutely. All kinds of people were drawn to this and curious to see what he would do. And with billions of dollars in his SPAC, Ackman set out to find a company to buy. Well, because of the size of it, there was only a small population of companies that would make sense for it to do a deal with. And one of his ideal targets was what he was calling a mature unicorn. So this is like an aging startup, a large startup, privately held, that wanted to go public and could benefit from an infusion of cash and his expertise, but that, you know, already had a proven track record on its own. Is a mature unicorn a thing? (laughs) Nowadays, there's a surprising amount of somewhat old startups, even though it sounds like that isn't a thing. Which companies did Ackman approach for a merger? Some of the names that have trickled out are big names, like Airbnb, Bloomberg, the empire of Michael Bloomberg, other names that people wondered if he might approach things like Stripe, one of the hottest private fintech companies out there right now. So these were big companies. What was his pitch to them? His pitch was that I'm a successful billionaire who has tons of experience helping companies run themselves as best possible way. And you're, you know, likely a successful billionaire. I'm assuming he's talking to the founders of these mature unicorns. And we should team up and and do big things. But there may have been a problem with Ackman's approach. Ackman himself. And that's because of his history as an activist investor. So that's a tough position to be coming from. Trying to parlay from a history of being an outspoken activist investor, basically telling companies how they should be run in a very public, sometimes strongly worded uh, way. And he wanted to transition into an advisor to companies of sorts. 
right? He was like a hostile force at the gates, and now he's he's sort of like, no, we're we're gonna be like dinner companions. Yeah, no, you can trust me. I'm I'm here. I'm not gonna turn against you. But what if he disagrees with the way you're running the business? You say he approached Airbnb. What happened there? Evidently, that didn't go very far because Airbnb later went public on its own. But Ackman wasn't finding any big proven startups to buy. What would it mean for Ackman's SPAC if he decided to just, like, say, I'm going to go for an immature unicorn instead? I mean, he had $4 billion to put toward this deal. So it was kind of like if he didn't use all the $4 billion, you know, on something big, he'd have to just send the money back. And that's not very fun. But then Ackman found a company. We've been working on a transaction since early November. We're either going to get a transaction done in the next relative short term, weeks, or we'll be on to the next one. That's after the break. If only life had a remote control, you could pause or rewind. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. Take the one-minute risk test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. After months of looking for that mature unicorn, Ackman zeroed in on a company, Universal Music. Universal Music is one of the biggest music companies in the world, if not the biggest. They own a bunch of song catalogs, you know, artists including Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, Billie Eilish, The Weeknd, and then classic acts like Queen and The Beatles. Last year, Universal bought Bob Dylan's entire publishing catalog. And Ackman had another connection to Universal Music. He liked the business and he thinks music is going to be, you know, a growing market in the years to come, but... Personally, there was a special touch for him. Universal happened to own a hit song that his grandfather had written years ago. His grandfather wrote the song in 1926. It was called, Put Your Arms Where They Belong, For They Belong to Me. Did his grandfather make a bunch of money off of this song? Unfortunately, no. I think he sold it for like 150 bucks or something. At the time, Universal Music was in the process of spinning off from its parent company, and Ackman and Universal started talking about a deal. Details of their talks leaked out in June, revealing that Ackman's SPAC was trying to buy a 10% stake in Universal in what would be the biggest SPAC deal of all time. But there was more to it than that. So it was pretty complicated, actually. Basically, he's going to use some of that money to buy the stake in Universal— but then he'll still have well over a billion dollars left over to put toward a different deal in the future. And as if that wasn't enough, he also sprung on investors that he'd like to get them in on yet a third deal in the future. So instead of using his SPAC to buy one company, Ackman now is buying a stake in Universal, saying that the rest of the money, more than a billion dollars, would go to future deals down the line. How was it received? I think there was a lot of head-scratching. It was kind of like we were expecting one big deal and we get one deal which is not what we expected and then two more deals that have us asking a lot more questions. So it was a little bit of a head-scratcher that day. Regulators were among those scratching their heads. 
The Securities and Exchange Commission raised questions with elements of this transaction. And then in July, Ackman announced he'd drop the deal. Instead, Ackman's own investment firm would buy the stake in Universal. But the questions about the deal didn't stop there. Earlier this month, Ackman's SPAC was sued over the plan. The lawsuit was filed by two pretty big names, Robert Jackson, he's a former SEC commissioner, and John Morley, who teaches at Yale and is a leading expert on the Investment Company Act. They allege in their lawsuit that his SPAC is operating in breach of the Investment Company Act of 1940, which governs companies whose primary business is investing in securities. And they allege that Pershing Square's SPAC was operating as an investment company without being regulated as one. What's the difference there? What's the difference between a SPAC and an investment company? Investment companies' primary purpose is to invest in stocks and and things of that sort, whereas a SPAC's primary purpose is to merge with a company. Investment companies have to register as investment companies. They have to abide by certain requirements. It differs in how they hold securities and how they compensate the people that run them. The lawsuit alleges that by trying to buy a stake in Universal Music, Ackman SPAC was basically acting like an investment firm. In other words, Ackman was misusing the SPAC and its money to invest in securities rather than merge with another company. And how did Ackman react? Ackman sent a letter to his shareholders, and by far the most shocking takeaway was that he said he might have to return all $4 billion to investors. And that's a big deal because he'd be walking away from doing a deal through the biggest SPAC we'd ever seen. He did say the lawsuit was meritless, but that the whole legal process would mean it wouldn't be resolved in the short term and would be a big distraction. And he said he's worried the lawsuit could have a chilling effect on other SPACs and their ability to complete deals. The questions about Ackman's SPAC may be part of a growing blowback against SPACs generally. I think it's the beginning stages of the SPAC reckoning that, frankly, people had been predicting since the beginning of the frenzy over a year ago. There's been a sharp uptick in lawsuits concerning SPACs filed in federal court, with the vast majority of them being filed this year. I think a lot of advisors working on SPACs think that there will be more scrutiny, there already is, and a thinning out among SPACs in which only the strongest survive. And where does all of this leave Bill Ackman's SPAC? It's hard to say. There's still a chance he could find another deal and use that money after all. If not, though, he's going to have to return that $4 billion to the people who gave it to him. To a lot of people on Wall Street, it would be proof that his goals were just too lofty for SPACs to hold. But for him, he still has a chance to end the story in a different way, in a way that only Ackman could. That's all for today, Tuesday, August 31st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.